I described AMO as a corporate governance catastrophe, and I chose that word specifically because in the world of disaster crisis management, a catastrophe is a disaster that is made worse because of lack of planning to reduce the consequences of the disaster. That was Matt Kelly. This is Tom Fox. Welcome to Compliance Into the Weeds, which is the award-winning podcast which takes a deep dive into a compliance-related topic each week. Today, we take a look at a corporate governance and internal control disaster called MO.com. I know you'll enjoy this episode about an internal controls catastrophe, a fascinating discussion of a difficult subject. I know you'll enjoy this episode. The award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Out of the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. Welcome back, Matt. Hello, Tom. Good to be here. Matt, I don't know if this moves into our Truth is Stranger Than Fiction category, uh, one of the great kerfuffles of all time, or just a great story. But whatever it is, you want to lay it out for us and then we can dive into it? Sure. So this is some red meat for all compliance and internal audit professionals who think my company is totally bonkers. Folks, it's not. We have found an even worse company. This is a business known as Ammo Incorporated, which sells specialty weapons munitions and operates GunBroker.com, which apparently is an e-commerce trading website for gun buyers and sellers. Ammo.com filed its 10K report last week. And Tom, I have not ever seen a 10K with more material weaknesses, more issues, more contingencies, more poor performance than I think ever in my 20 years. This is a, a stunning display of internal governance mess, corporate compliance inefficiency and lack thereof. And so for everybody who wonders, what does bad governance really look like that I should avoid it? We have your counterexample to study right here. So why don't you go over the five material weaknesses you identified, and then maybe we could take a deep dive for some lessons. Sure. So as you correctly pointed out, Ammo filed its 10K and disclosed five material weaknesses in one 10K. For anybody who is not totally familiar with all this, if you disclose one material weakness in your 10K, you're having a bad day. Most companies, the number should be zero. I have never seen five in one 10K before. The problems that they had disclosed included failing to maintain maintain entity-level controls on the control environment, primarily due to limited personnel to run the accounting and finance functions. So they are not getting basic things done, such as establishing an internal whistleblower hotline, which if I'm reading the other documents at AMO correctly, they are currently trying to do. They have been public for years, and they should have had this done a long time ago, but they haven't. Acknowledging the code of conduct, approving the annual budget, various other issues there. That's that's all just one material weakness is they don't have enough staff to implement basic procedures. Material weakness number two is that they cannot maintain effective control over journal entries and account reconciliations. So very often, the people who are supposedly responsible for reviewing journal entries, which are the 
fundamental element of corporate accounting. The ones responsible for reviewing them are the same ones responsible for preparing them. That is a big accounting no-no, which leads us into our third material weakness, is failure to maintain proper segregation of duties. That includes whether we're talking manual processes to, I don't know, run accounts payable, or segregation of duties around systems access of who can get access to what systems. Uh, No surprise there, because they were just talking about flawed segregation of duties, really, for journal entries. It looks like that is a bigger flaw throughout the whole organization. Uh, Weakness number four, I think, if I'm keeping count right, is that poor effective controls for period-ending financial processes. So they don't necessarily know how to govern their closeouts at the end of the quarter or the end of the year. And then fifth, failure to maintain controls over failure to maintain effectively designed IT general controls. So that's around user provisioning. When you have somebody new come on, user deprovisioning. If you've let somebody go, you need to cut off their access. Application change management, who can go in and update how software behaves. Uh, Segregation of duties around IT systems and who controls all of it. None of that works, not on the IT side, not on the accounting side, not on the financial closing side, not on the entity level side. I think I've covered all sides. I may be wrong, but like I said, Tom, this is just an astonishing list of material weaknesses that you, you know, you'd be hard pressed to see any one of these anywhere at a respectable company to see five of them all together in one business. Like, wow, just wow. It is impressively bad. The, when I read your blog post the first time, I thought this would be deliciously fun uh, blog to podcast about. But then the more I thought about it, I see lots of really significant lessons learned for not simply the compliance professional here, Matt, but the business owner. And I'd like to start with, I often get the question, when is the appropriate time to put in either SOX 404 controls or more robust controls for a startup or a new business. And I say as absolutely as soon as you can or now, because lightning can strike, you can have a huge uptick, you can merge with another competitor and create a very viable business. Uh, You can have an American public that goes nuts for guns ammo. You can have lots of different things. We can have a worldwide pandemic that can allow podcasts to flourish. The point is that If you're not ready, when that explosion of growth happens, you put yourself in the situation as this company. And so I I really hope business owners will take away from your blog post and this podcast, at least one takeaway would be SOX controls in place. And if you're a public company, um, (laughs) I can't believe is not there, but really as soon as you can, because if lightning strikes, when Preparation meets opportunity, luck occurs, and if luck occurs and your business explodes, you're going to need to have those in place and not try to do them with personnel that uh, aren't up to the task. Well, I thought about this a lot, and in as much fairness as ammo might deserve, which probably isn't that much, I didn't write this post just to pick on ammo and poke fun at a company that clearly has more issues than a psychotherapy practice. Really, I described AMO as a corporate governance catastrophe, and I chose that word specifically because in the world of disaster crisis management, 
A catastrophe is a disaster that is made worse because of lack of planning to reduce the consequences of the disaster. So an earthquake striking Los Angeles would be a disaster. It would not necessarily be a catastrophe because Los Angeles has taken so many steps to prepare for it. Now, if Los Angeles had never bothered with that or had dismantled its earthquake preparedness and then one strikes, that would be a catastrophe. This is a internal governance catastrophe. It did not need to be this bad. The problem, if you look at the history of ammo, as far as I can see, is that the company had been chugging along as a maker of specialty munitions with several million dollars in revenue, $4 million, $5 million in the late 2010s, still operating at a loss. But OK, you know, sometimes companies do that. Now, that was in the late 2010s. Then ammo decided it would acquire this online marketplace, gunbroker.com. I am not familiar with just how big gunbroker.com is, although my understanding is it's one of the most popular gun e-commerce websites online in the United States. So the consolidated business went from about four and a half million in revenue in 2019 to five years later, 2023, what they just filed, $191 million in revenue. That is roughly 42 times larger than it had been five years ago. This is the consequence of that. They had not put in place proper precautions around personnel, around IT, around system design to be able to accommodate not just large growth, but you went from making specialty products to running an e-commerce site, radically different business model. And you're trying to square these two things together that I'm not necessarily sure that works. I think it's more like a strategic flaw. And in fact, I went and I looked at the business descriptions that Ammo had re released. And I think that says a lot that in its most recent 10K that it put out last week, first line of the business description says, Ammo Inc. is a conglomerate of two premium positions in the sh shooting sports industry. So you went from being one business to being two, and you're trying to stuff it together. There are a lot of questions there about CEO succession, because CEO is 81 years old. The CFO is 31 years old. The CFO also had been with the company since 2018. He came on as a corporate controller. If I'm doing my math right, at the ripe old age of 26, now you could be a very good corporate controller at the age 26 of a small business that makes specialty munitions projects products. But here we are running an e-commerce website that is far more complex, has very different concerns and control needs than making a product. And the controller, now CFO, he has presided over this for five years, and he just coughed up this horrendous list of material weaknesses. I don't necessarily mean to pick on him. I don't know him from a hole in the wall. But nonetheless, there should be a much more mature and robust financial reporting and internal control process. It's not there. The CFO is in really in charge of putting it there. And so for better or worse, people are going to look and see why is this CFO, you know, how did he come to preside over this state of affairs? By the way, he also just got a significant raise for all of his hard work over the last five years, giving us this tour de force of you know, internal control failure and material weakness. And it says a lot about the quality of governance. Matt, what's the consequences of having a material control weakness? Oh, well, your restatement risk is sky high. 
you are probably going to be BFFs with the SEC's Division of Corporation Finance as they're going through your financial statements. I do know that the SEC's Corp Fin Division has been peppering AMO with various comment letters asking AMO to please clarify this disclosure or that disclosure, please calculate this or that. But there's a lot of financial reporting risk here. I suspect there could be lots of other risks around accounting fraud or other compliance violations. If you had this many loosey-goosey material weaknesses over financial reporting, I think it would be very easy to commit something like FCPA corruption payments. No whiff of that with ammo. I don't even think they are in a line of business that would brush up against dealing with foreign governments. Not saying there's any criminal activity here, but what are the risks that flow from something this bad? All sorts. And if something does happen, an FCPA violation, some other compliance violation, a restatement, you're looking at regulatory enforcement. You're looking at shareholder lawsuits. The market cap for this company is in the tank. Share price was around six and a half dollars last fall. I think it's about two twenty five right now, if I'm remembering correctly. It's not impressive. There's been a dramatic shrinkage in market cap. All in all, this company is just underwhelming in every single way. And we haven't even gotten to some of the other crazy stuff that we've found. So the how would you think through remediating this, recognizing the sort of all inclusive nature of these material failures, and I recognize you could risk rank them, you could force rank them, you could say, well, we're just going to throw a pot in the air and whichever comes down first. We'll start with that one. It's, is, is there any suggestions we could perhaps uh, discuss around how to think through the remediation aspect of this? Well, or whatever it may be worth, AMO did also include a long list of bullet points of remediation work it's trying to take. We might as well go through that, but you know, what is the what can you do when you're in this situation? As Ammo is pointing out, first and foremost, get help, which they are doing. They say that they have hired an outside consultant with internal audit experience and specifically around internal controls to develop those fundamentals around risk assessments, documentation, IT general controls. They are implementing now an internal whistleblower system which it looks like the board of directors only recently reviewed and approved for implementation does give me some discomfort there that that is something that should have been done years ago, but okay, whatever we're doing it now, you know, baby steps. They have hired more outside consultants to deal with an IT remediation project. That's going to get to that provisioning and deprovisioning of user access application change management I'm going to suspect patch management is in there as well, segregation of duties, uh, more improved procedures for those journal entries. So there's a lot of improvement that needs to happen. This is going to be a lot of work. It's going to cost a lot of money. And Tom, back to your earlier question there about when should companies start thinking about doing all of this? As soon as you possibly can. And as soon as you have the bright idea for a major strategic shift, And for all I know, maybe moving from specialty munitions manufacturer 
to being an e-commerce player in the gun industry, maybe that is a really shrewd idea. I'm not sure. I, you know, I don't pay much attention to the firearms business. But as soon as you had that idea, the board should have said, full stop, can we actually do this? Rather than let's lunge ahead and see what's the worst that could happen. We've been talking for 20 minutes now, Tom, about the worst that can happen. And you know, we could probably keep going. It's really more about a certain self-awareness among the board and among senior management about where your limitations are as personnel, systems, thinking through policies and procedures, making sure that all of those things can support whatever bright strategic idea that you might have. And it's like, read the 10K. Clearly, there wasn't there that for this company. So, Matt, I would like to maybe spend a few minutes talking about how you stumbled across this story. I was very intrigued by that. And so let's maybe visit about that for a few minutes. Yeah. So I will give credit to a mystery person on Twitter, a business analyst who goes by the name 310 Value. I don't know who 310 Value is. And 310 Value late last week was looking through Ammo's 10K and started pumping out on Twitter various disclosures that Ammo had been making in its 10K. That's where I saw it. That's where I saw the five material weaknesses, pointed out the pay raise that is going to the CFO, pointed out that there is a lawsuit from gunbroker.com's original owner, who then wound up being the largest shareholder of the consolidated business, that man, Steve Urban, he had originally filed a lawsuit against Ammo last year, saying that the deal had gone sour and he had been misled. They settled that. Then Mr. Irvin came back this year and filed a second lawsuit against the company. There are talk about how originally Ammo acquired gunbroker.com. They had big plans to consolidate it. Then they announced that they were going to split them off into two separate companies again. That was last year. Now they haven't done that, probably because the IPO window is about as tight as a drum and market conditions are not favorable. But there's just one weird thing after another. Now, 310 Value, if you want to look them up, They've got other tweets about what's going on at Ammo that certainly raised some eyebrows. Some of it is even too niche for us, but just on the material weaknesses and corporate governance mistakes alone, it really brings home the point that you know there are some very poorly managed companies out there with a lot of struggles. And I don't necessarily want to pick on Ammo directly. I don't take any joy in pointing out the foibles and shortcomings of a business, but it really gives a lot of lessons for everybody else about, you know, how should you avoid bad practice? Look at what some of the bad practices out there are. And this is really bad. So I want to take a tip of the hat to 310 value. He or she has a sub stack newsletter. And I took a look at it and there's some interesting stories in there as well. You're right. A very niche, very into the weeds very technical, but some good stuff. And I just, it made me think, Matt, for a few minutes about Twitter can be incredibly useful and it can be an incredibly powerful tool in spite of what has happened over the past year or so with the new ownership. But it is a way that people like you and I can not simply communicate and put our own thoughts out to the marketplace of ideas, but actually 
do research and, and learn and get other people's ideas as well. And I thought this was a great example. So I wanted to, to shout out for, for that part of Twitter that still exists. Absolutely. Yes. So, Matt, I think that's a great way for us to end this podcast. This was a delicious story. Uh, thanks for writing it. We'll see what next week brings us. Thank you, John. This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the award-winning Compliance into the Weeds. We've linked to Matt's blog posts on this topic in the show notes. I hope you will check out the blog posts for more information. I also hope you will listen to some of the new podcasts on the Compliance Podcast Network. We premiered a podcast uh, with Richard Blundell on sustainability, the business opportunity of the 21st century, Fox on podcasting, where I take a meta look at podcasting and compliance in AI. We are also developing some additional new shows, which will premiere in July. It's quite an exciting time on the Compliance Podcast Network. If you'd like to be a part of the Compliance Podcast Network, please give me a shout. I'm available at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to visiting with you again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.